Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Man, it's so great to be together again, getting ready to worship uh, with each other wherever you're at. Hello to all of our home churches. So great to have you joining us today and to just everybody, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, even if you're watching by yourself, so excited to have you here with us today as we continue our series, How to Survive a Horror Movie. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I hope that God's been speaking to you through it. I hope that you've seen uh, new ways that we can kind of get through the tough moments in life as we've been studying this together. I gotta tell you, I've been having fun. I've been able to watch Fear Fest on AMC and call it sermon prep. That's pretty, <laughs> that's, pre- that's pretty cool. Like, like, honey, can you go take the kids away? I'm, I'm trying to get into the word and study right now while Halloween is on TV. <laughs> exactly. It's work time. It's work time. Uh, but no, man, it, it's been fun. And it's been really funny watching movies this, uh, this whole month and seeing the rules that we've been going over play out. I don't know if you guys have been experiencing the same thing. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. We were watching Friday the 13th just the other night, uh, like the old school one, the Kevin Bacon one, like the one that Kevin Bacon's in, uh, and watching it and just seeing, uh, like there's the town crazy, Ralph, and he's all telling the kids, like, don't go to Camp Crystal Lake. It's, it's, there's a dead man's curse on that place. And we're like, oh, it's rule number one. Listen to the old timer. Like, listen to the crazy person, right? But it has. It's been cool seeing all the, uh, uh, the little things we've been talking about come pop up in all these movies. Uh, I want to tell you, next week is the finale of this. It's crazy that we're already almost to the end of October. It's just nuts. But I want to tell you, if you have not been uh, watching these, if you've missed some of these, you can check them out on our YouTube archive. Uh, you can go back and catch up with all of the weeks that you may have missed. So I want to encourage you to do that, to catch up on this whole series so you know where we're at. And in fact, why don't, right now, like, why don't you just tag a friend? Just right now in the comments, just tag a friend, invite them, say, hey, let, let's watch a scary movie together. And then they'll be like, a scary movie that's playing like live on Facebook at 9 a.m.? That's weird. Just, just go ahead and do it, right? Just go ahead and do it. Invite someone to come and join you. See who who comes and uh, joins in on this. And speaking of that, speaking of inviting people, be inviting people. I know you just heard that, but man, be inviting people. Don't, don't hold what God is doing in your life through Cornerstone to yourself. Man, invite people, invite family and friends. You know people who need the Father, who need a family, and who need a fulfilling future. So invite them, invite them. I, I, tell them, you know, I will, I'll watch with you. I'll come to your house, you can come to my house. But man, invite people, share what God is doing in your life. So, hey, real quick recap. This is where we've been so far. Real quick, I'll run down through this. So rule number one, listen to the old timer, right? Listen to the old timer. All horror movies have the old timer, have the keep out sign, have the warning signs telling you don't go any further. Same is true in life. God gives us wise people in our life. He gives us uh, 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 warning signs to try to steer us back on course to get away from the things that would drag us down. uh, And we just have to listen to them. We have to listen to them. And we looked at uh, the story from Daniel chapter five uh, where the handwriting appears on the wall, right? And King Belshazzar is given this ultimatum, this this sentence of what's gonna happen because he didn't listen to wise counsel in his life. So that's rule number one. Rule number two, let's stick together. Let's stick together. The second someone says, let's split up in a horror movie, you know they're good as dead. They are as good as dead in that moment, right? Uh, We need to stick together. We need people in our lives, not just in horror movies. (laughs) We need people in our lives in real life. We can't go through life alone. 
we need to be surrounded by people who are good, godly people who are going to pull us uh, and push us to do better things. And we looked at the story of Daniel and his three friends and how they were able to defy the will of a king and not just survive, but thrive in it. And it was because they stuck together. They stuck together. Then rule number three, what we looked at last week, it's never just the wind. It's never just the wind, right? Whenever you hear that bump in the night, whenever you hear that noise under the bed, it ain't the wind. It's always a ghost. (laughs) It's always a killer. It's always something bad, right? The same is true in our lives. We, We don't get anywhere. We don't get bonus points by acting like our situations that are scary aren't scary. Like, we don't get bonus points by going, no, 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 um, I'm actually not getting all these final notice uh, bills in the mail, and no, 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 my kids actually aren't going down a path, and no, 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 it's, it's just the wind. That's denial. That's not faith. We need to acknowledge our situation for what it is and follow God. Trust him to get us through it. And we looked at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and they acknowledged the, the terrifying reality of that situation, but they trusted God to get them through it. Now today, the rule we're going to be looking at, I want to kind of set this up a little bit. Me and uh, Jessica were watching a show last night that actually had the rule that we're going to be looking at today in it. So we were watching on Netflix, The Haunting of Bly Manor. It's a new show. It's actually like part two of an anthology series that Netflix is doing. Uh, Last year it was The Haunting of Hill House, which was Crazy good, really, really crazy show. Uh, Very creepy, (laughs) very creepy. Um, But this one, The Haunting of Bly Manor, so we're watching it and it takes place in like the 1980s. This lady, she is a live-in nanny at this like gigantic, like 50,000 square foot manor (laughs) in England. She's watching these two kids um, and so she's getting ready to put the kids to bed at night and it's just the two kids and the live-in nanny. She's getting ready to put it in bed. She's like, hey, since you guys were good today, we're going to play a game. We can play a game before bed, uh, and then, then it'll be bedtime. As she said that, I knew what game it was going to be. I'm like, I know it's going to be hide-and-go-seek. Of course it's going to be hide-and-go-seek. I can t- already see where this is going. Like, I've watched enough horror movies and horror shows to know where this is going. And sure enough, that's exactly what they said. They're like, let's, and, and it's little, like, English kids, so it makes it even creepier. Let's, let's play hide-and-go-seek. And you're like, oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not good. This is not good. And so, sure enough, they take off running around the house. They're hitting the lights, right? They're hitting the lights. The lights are all going off all around the manor, and it's creepy, and it's terrifying. And, of course, as they're leaving, I'm thinking to myself, I know where they're going to go hide. They're going to go to the attic. They're going to the attic. I can guarantee it. They're not going to go to the kitchen or the bathroom or the living room. They're going to go to the attic. Sure enough, little girl goes up in the attic. It's like the creepiest looking room in the house. There's cobwebs everywhere. You think you see ghosts in the background stuff. I'm like, of course she went to the attic because that is, it's, it's horror movies, right? That's exactly what they do. They go to the attic. And that is today's rule. Rule number four, you want to survive a horror movie, avoid the attic. (laughs) Like it just... Don't go there. Don't go. Avoid the attic. Avoid the attic. I have got to say, I have yet to see a horror movie that has a, like, good attic scene. There's, there's horror movies where they'll build up the exposition and, and there'll be, like, a, a scene by the bathroom or by the living room or a bedroom. There's never one where they're just building up the exposition in the attic. It's always something scary going down in the attic. Every Horror movie I've ever seen. Um, basements too. Basements and attics are kind of like the same thing, but I'm a pastor and I like alliteration, so avoid the attic sounds better than avoid the basement. So we're going to roll with the attic, all right? We're just going to roll with the attic. It sounds, just sounds better. <laughs> um, but one other thing that's funny about it too is 
So supernatural horror movies and um, like more physical killer horror movies, this is one thing they have in common. Now they can be very different, right? You have the, your movies like Halloween with uh, uh, Michael and you have Friday the 13th with Jason and these are like real physical people. And then you have, you know, your supernatural ones with ghosts or, or, or demons or ghouls or something like that. But where they both meet in the middle, if you have like a big Venn diagram of different kinds of scary movies, all of them, the attic is bad news. It doesn't matter what kind of scary movie you're watching, the attic is always bad. Like it's just always bad. You always want to avoid the attic. Even, I'm just gonna wager this. Who today, watching right now, whenever you're coming up the basement or you're coming down from the attic, you still kind of do a quick little run up or down the steps, right? <laughs> like, come on, admit it, put it, in the, put it in the chat, be like, yep, sheepishly put that hand up, be like, yeah, that's me. I still will, you know, kind of get ready to head on down and flick the light and then like <laughs> get, up, get up as quickly as you can and play all cool. Like, oh yeah, just, just trying to get my steps in. That's all, just trying, to, <laughs> just trying to get my steps in for the day. There's something about them that's just unsettling. There's just something unsettling about it. And it was funny, I was actually looking it up online, like, why are we so scared of attics? Like, why are, we, why are they kind of this creepy and unsettling? Same thing with basements, what's that about? And so I was just looking it up online, seeing what people were saying about it. And um, they were saying, you know, like spiders and different kind of pests, they typically will try to look for a basement or an attic. That's where they'll be at. And so that there's you know, unsettling things about addicts for that reason, because we know that there are those pests and those vermin kind of living there. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, another thing is that even at like a, a, you know, subconscious level, we don't like them because they're unfinished generally. That like our, the human mind, we look for things that are finished. Like we, we like things that are ready to live in. And most basements, they can kind of have a cellar kind of feel unless you have a finished basement in attics. You know, it's just exposed beams and you see insulation and it just doesn't feel right. So even at a subconscious level, they just, they feel off to us. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, the one that had me, like, I don't know, for some reason it made me laugh, just how someone put this. It was a Reddit thread and someone just posted, why are addicts so scary? And the top vote getter was one that just all it said is, because ghosts live there. Like, well, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. If ghosts live in your attic, I imagine that would be scary. Like, that's a <laughs> good point. Um, but the funny thing is, is as I read that one, I was laughing, and then it kind of hit me that, like, okay, actually, I think, I think they're on to something. Like, I think they're on to something, because ghosts live there. And I'm like, well, yeah, what, what do we usually have in attics? Like, I mean, symbolically, what does, like, an attic represent? The past, our memories, our ghosts, <laughs> the things that have happened in our life, the things that still can haunt us, right? The things that can be scary. The past, the past can be scary. The past can be a lot of things, right? The, the things that we put in the attic, they can be embarrassing. <laughs> our past can be embarrassing. We see it right now on social media. It's the, the new trend right now is like the hashtag drop your photo challenge. Have you guys been seeing that? First off, these hashtags are getting out of control. Like it used to be, Hashtag ice bucket challenge. Now it's like, hashtag drop the first photo of you dating and the most recent photo of you dating challenge. I'm like, that is, that's a hashtag, man. That's a, <laughs> it's a hashtag and a half. Like your fingers will get tired typing that out. Um, but yeah, people are posting those and it's so funny seeing everyone's like 
first photo of them dating and just seeing the like styles that people were wearing and the haircuts and the outfits and going, whoa, I know exactly when you started dating due to that haircut. Like I know exactly when you started dating due to that type of outfit you're wearing. Because the past, it can be embarrassing. It can be a little cringy, right? <laughs> the past can be a little crazy. Uh, the past, it can be depressing. If we go into the attic of our past, it can be depressing. I mean, how many people, how many people back in March when, when the lockdown started, you were like, all right, I'm getting a, I'm getting a do-over. I'm getting a do-over. I, I didn't really follow through with my New Year's resolutions, but it's like I've got a new one because I'm going to be locked in at home. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lock in during my lockdown. I'm going to get built. I'm going to like you know, lose weight, I'm going to get in shape, or I'm going to completely redo my house, I'm going to start setting up routines. I, I saw one person joking online saying, like, back at the beginning of this during lockdown, I was like, okay, I'm finally going to write that book, finally going to write that book. And now here we are in October, and I'm like, I don't remember how to read. <laughs> like, that's how things have progressed throughout this year, because it's been so challenging, and everything I thought I was going to do, I'm not doing it. And so whenever you look in the attic of your past and you're looking at what you said you were going to do back in March, now you're just depressed because you're like, oh man, like I thought I was going to do this, thought I was going to do this, and I haven't done any of those things. It's depressing. Our past can be depressing. Our past can be embarrassing. Our past, it can be terrifying. It can be terrifying. If we truly go into the attic of our past, it can be terrifying. In fact, some of you right now are trying to lock the door to your attic. As we're talking about this, you know there are certain things in your past, certain regrets, certain sins, certain things that you've said, certain things that have been done to you, stuff that's in your past, and you're going, no, I want to lock that door. I don't want us to go in there. I don't even really want to think about it. I know that about you because I know that about me. I know there are certain things in my past that I'm going, nope, I don't, I don't even want to think about it, don't even want to bring it up. It's going to put me in a bad mood. It's going to make me feel bad about myself. I don't even want to go there. Don't even want to go there. But here's the thing. Even if I'm not bringing it up right now in this moment, even if it's not like, oh, great, I didn't tune in to have my past shoved back in my face, Pastor. Like, I didn't tune in today to, to, made, uh, to be made to feel bad, right? Like, I, that's not why I'm tuning in. Even if we wouldn't be talking about this, your past is still going to creep up. Like, even if I'm not bringing it up today, it's still going to come up. And that's because your past and my past is a lot like this little guy. A lot like a little rubber duck. Now, how? <laughs> right? How, how is our past like this, this little guy? Um, so back in 1992, back in 1992, we're going to jump back in time a little bit. Uh, there was a cargo, uh, uh, like a freight ship that left a port in Hong Kong, and it was heading for Tacoma, Washington. And it was carrying tons of little uh, uh, rubber ducks and uh, little like rubber turtles, all these little, they're called friendly floaties. <laughs> friendly, friendly floaties, these little bath toys. It was carrying all these in big shipping containers. And so uh, uh, the ship is coming across the ocean just as it passed the international date line on the Pacific Ocean. It's, it's just passed over there. Uh, a storm started to hit and it actually knocked two shipping containers into the ocean. Now, the two containers, probably just from the storm and the waves and hitting each other, they actually opened up, and all these boxes containing these little guys, <laughs> they started to dissolve in the water because, I mean, it's, it's rough seawater with salt and, you know, just waves, and it's just cardboard. So it pretty much just ate through that, completely destroyed the boxes. So all these little guys suddenly are thrust out into the open sea. <laughs> and not like one or two, try 28,000. 
28,000 of these little things back in 1992 just spread out across the Pacific Ocean. Now, about 10 months after that happened, these little guys started popping up in places in Alaska, like on, on the beach. They had put out a notice, a guy who's studying currents in the ocean was like, hey, this is perfect. Like the most we ever get to put down is like 500 to 1,000 of these kind of bottles that we trace. This is amazing. We can see how currents work from where these things end up. And so they put out uh, alerts and people were like, okay, we'll look for them. And sure enough, 10 months after that crash, these things start popping up in Alaska. But here's what's really nuts. They all didn't like make it to shore back in 1992. They were finding these stinking things in 2007. 2007, these were still washing up and they went all over the place. They weren't just on the west coast of the United States or over in China or Australia, somewhere over there in the Pacific. They were finding these things on the east coast. On the east coast, meaning they found some of these that traversed over near around the Arctic Circle. Some of them went right over where uh, the Titanic sank. Like, these things were all over the place. Some of them were frozen going through the Arctic areas. It's crazy the the path that these things made over that period of time. And the funny thing is, is the researcher who was studying this and looking at the currents, he's like, okay, that's probably it. We probably won't get another one. And then another one popped up. Oh, okay, more more rubber ducks, another one, and then another one, and then a couple months, and then another one, and then a couple months, and then another one. These things just wouldn't stop. They just kept coming back. Does that sound familiar? That's your past. That's my past. Every time you think, all right, that's it. It's done. No more. (laughs) No more. Another one pops up. It pops up again, and it pops up again, and it pops up again, and that is us with our past. We think we've locked the attic door We think we're good, that all the bad stuff is in there, but then something happens, we sin again, we make a mistake again, we struggle again, and suddenly we find ourselves back in the attic, and we're like, is this, is it ever going to (laughs) stop? Are these ever going to stop washing up on shore? Am I ever going to stop screwing up? Are things ever going to get better? You see, the attic has a high body count. All you got to do is watch a horror movie and know if, someone's, if someone goes to a bathroom <laughs> or someone goes to an attic, they're about to die. Those are the two spots, right? The attic has a high, high body count, and that is true in our life. The attic has a high body count because whenever we get stuck in the attic, whenever we allow our, our mistakes and the things that keep popping up from our past to, to reign in our life, we start to see losses in our relationships, we see losses all over the place. We see losses in our, in our, uh, our relationships, the way that we uh, connect with people. We start to see losses all over the place because the attic has a high body count. We can't live there. <laughs> we can't live there. The attic was not designed for us to stay. If we stay in the attic, if we stay with these things from our past, if we try to live there, we will become a ghost so consumed and so haunted by what we've done and how we've let God down and how we've let people down, we will become a shell of who we're supposed to be. We can't live there. We can't live there. And today what we're going to be doing is getting some advice from kind of an unlikely source, King Nebuchadnezzar. If you've been following with us, uh, you've, you've heard that name. You know that name because King Nebuchadnezzar, he's popped up numerous times as we've been studying the book of Daniel. And today we're going to be studying from Daniel chapter 4 uh, and, again, getting some advice from King Nebuchadnezzar's life. Now, 
If you were with us last week, you know that we talked about uh, the account of King Nebuchadnezzar throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these followers of God, throwing them into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't worship this image of gold that he had set up. So that story happened, and then the one that we're reading today, the very next chapter, chapter 4, that takes place about 25 to 30 years after the events of last week. So the fiery furnace happened, then 25 to 30 years later, we're going to be reading this event uh, from Daniel chapter 4. So let me give just a little short background. So what happens in chapter 4 is King Nebuchadnezzar, he has this vision, he has this dream that God's given him, and he doesn't know what to make of it. All he knows is that that freaked him out. He, he can't, can't quite understand what's going on, but he knows that it's nothing good. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he consults with some of his advisors, and then he brings in his best one, right? Daniel. Daniel, the man who's been serving him now for multiple decades uh, and advising him. And so he talks to Daniel. And he's like, Daniel, I don't, I don't know what this is. Can I explain my dream to you and see if you can make sense of this, if, if you know what this means? So the king starts to explain the dream, and essentially he, uh, he saw a, a great tree, in his dream, this tree that's huge and has a, a, a big trunk and tons of branches and people from all around are talking about how sp- like splendid it is and how beautiful and strong this tree is. Uh, and then he hears a voice in the dream say, cut this tree down, like cut this tree down. So the tree is cut down. Uh, it's just completely destroyed. And the king's like, I don't know what to make of this. What is this? What does this mean? What is it saying? Uh, and Dan responds to him and Daniel's like, look, king, I, I wish I could tell you that this tree is your enemies. I wish I could tell you that this tree is some rival kingdom. That tree is you. That tree is you. You, you have set yourself up against God and because you are not living in honor of God and of who he is, you are about to be cut down. You're about to be cut down. You will be losing your splendor. You'll be losing your kingdom. You'll be losing your sanity. And you will be like this for seven years, for seven years until you are able to acknowledge God for who he is and start following him rather than building yourself up. So King Nebuchadnezzar hears this, hears what Daniel says, and then just goes on living his life how he has for a full 12 months after the interpretation of that dream. And that's where we pick up in verse 33. This is what it says. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and he ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now this is crazy because this this will show you the accuracy of scripture and how what we believe is not just, you know, just blind faith. There's actual stuff that is uh, rooted in history in scripture. And so for Nebuchadnezzar, Seven years of of being insane and seven years of having uh, his mind pretty much gone, we actually know from extra biblical sources from history that there's a period of time in Nebuchadnezzar's uh, history from about the year 582 BC to 575 BC, a seven-year period where there's no military campaigns that he launched. There's no real evidence of what he did. What did scripture say? For seven years, (laughs) for seven years, you will be cut down. For seven years, you will be losing the splendor and the kingdom that you had. And so it's kind of interesting that in the king's annuals, he's not recording what he did for seven years. Crazy. And then even the condition that he has, uh, there's actually a condition, I don't know if I'm saying this right, boanthropy. 
Boanthropy. This is an actual like medical condition that people today still have, where they 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 start to lose their mind in certain ways that resembles acting like a wild animal, and that's exactly what we see from King Nebuchadnezzar. He he lets his hair grow. He lets his hair grow. He lets his nails grow. He he just completely has lost his mind at this moment, and that's because Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he he ignored rule number one. <laughs> He, he ignored rule number one, listen to the old timer, listen to counsel, listen to warning, and he ignored it. He ignored what Daniel said, he ignored Daniel's warning, and he is now facing the consequences of it. He is thrust into a horror movie moment, this moment where he sees himself losing his mind, he sees his body becoming almost like an animal, obviously not literal feathers or not literal claws, but his body just becoming so disfigured from the lack of care that he is becoming a, a, a shell of who he used to be. Terrifying moment for the king. This is what it says though, at the end of the seven years, at the end of the seven years, verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. My sanity was restored. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he finally has this moment where he, he's humbled. After seven years, after seven years, turns his eyes toward heaven, he's humbled. He acknowledges God's sovereignty and that God reigns supreme, not him, right? He finally acknowledges this. And then the very next verse, the very next verse, this is how it starts with these two words. Then I, then I. So I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. My sanity was restored. Then I. Now this is, to me, this is the pivotal moment for Nebuchadnezzar. What is he going to, then you what? Then, then you what? This is a pivotal moment for the king. And that's because in this moment, he has his sanity restored and he is finally face-to-face and recognizing his failure. He is face-to-face with the ways that he had failed, with the ways that he had not come through, with the ways that he had not trusted God. I mean, in all honesty, he was face-to-face with the failures of his past because his sanity comes back. He sees his long nails, he, he smells himself. He sees the long hair. He sees all of this because I rejected God. I didn't listen to him. And for seven years, almost a decade of my life, I have wasted it walking away from God and what he wanted from my life. And honestly, I think Nebuchadnezzar is probably thinking even further into his past, even not just those seven years. He's even going farther back going, man, how bad have I screwed up? I mean, whenever these guys from, from Israel first came here, I tried to force them to eat food that we had dedicated to our gods. They said no, I was wrong. I, I should have listened to them. And then I tried to force them under penalty of death to serve a false god. They don't do it. I throw them in a, in a furnace. They come out unscathed. I still haven't learned from that. And then here I am for seven years living in open rebellion to God. What am I doing? What am I doing? He's looking at his past. He's looking at his attic and realizing how many times he had gotten it wrong, how many times he had ignored what he should have done. It would have been tempting for Nebuchadnezzar to stay in the attic, for his then I to be, well, you know, then I wallowed in (laughs) self-pity. Once I had my sanity restored, this sounds familiar to me, Um, then I felt ashamed and unworthy. Then I avoided talking to God. Then I stopped going to church. Those sound familiar to me. I don't know, does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound familiar to you? Ashamed, unworthy, those are the cries that you hear from the attic, the cries that you hear from your past. 
Those are the cries of the ghosts of the attic that say, I'm, I'm ashamed, I'm unworthy. No, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even want to pray because if I pray, I feel like I'm not worthy to even talk to God. No, I don't even want to listen to worship music. Turn it to something else because it's going to make me feel bad about myself. No, I don't even want to go to church. I don't want to see those people because I know they're going to judge me and I know they're going to feel a certain way about me because of where I've been, because of what's in my attic. Does this sound familiar? It does to me. It does to me because I've said those exact things. I've felt those exact ways where our past haunts us, where the things that we have built up in our attic haunt us. They keep us in shame. They keep us in denial. They keep us building these fake realities that aren't even real, right? Because of stuff that we've done in our past and stuff that we're holding on to our sins and our struggles, we start creating false narratives that aren't even true. We think, oh, so-and-so is going to think this about me. Oh, they're going to think this. Oh, God isn't going to be able to use me anymore. God isn't going to be able to love me. And we're building these fake realities because of what lies in our attic. Our past haunts us. The way we talk to our kids, we feel like, oh, God can't even use me as a parent. I, I, tell, them, I tell them what to do. I tell them what to do. But, man, I live a completely other way. I, I, I just, how can God use me? Man, I, God's given me so many opportunities. He's given me so many opportunities to do good things, and he's given me opportunities with people at work, and I just blend in. You couldn't tell I'm a Christian there. And God's given me opportunities with other people, with people in our neighborhood, and he's given me so many different skills and talents, and I feel like I've just wasted them all. I've just blown opportunity after opportunity. We believe our past, the things that lie in the attic, disqualify us that there's no way God can use me. There's no way God can love me. There's no way God's people can truly love me. There's no way the church, if they really knew who I was, that they would be able to accept me. So how do we get out? (laughs) How do we get out? Because if I'm like Nebuchadnezzar and I realize I've just wasted seven years and I've just been in open rebellion to God and who he is and, and I've done this for so long and I've built up all these regrets and all this stuff that's now in my attic, it's very easy for me to say, you know what, I'll just stay in the attic because that's where I belong. That's where I belong. God, I'm not worthy. God, I'm not worthy. I don't even wanna be around your people. I can't, I already feel bad enough about myself. I already feel bad, about, uh, bad enough about myself because of my past. I just will stay in the attic. That's what I deserve. So what did Nebuchadnezzar say? What was, what was his then I? This is what scripture tells us. Then I, verse 34, praised the most high. <laughs> then I praised the most high. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Verse 36, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Then I praised. (laughs) Then I praised, absolutely. Then I praised. I glorified God. I honored God. You see, what Nebuchadnezzar understood, and man, this is, this is so important. He understood we need to forget our past regrets and focus on our present reality. Forget your past regrets. Focus on your present reality. And what is your present reality? God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. Not only is he with you, he was with you. Even when you were in the attic, even when you were building up those regrets and those mistakes, he was with you even then. Forget your past regrets 
Focus on your present reality that God is with you and that his love, it extends even into the attic. His love covers what you've built up. His love covers all of that. His love extends even to the attic. So this is the thing. You're looking at your attic. You're looking at the things that have been haunting you, the things that have been uh, built up over years of, of regret and over sinning and things that you should have done and things that you didn't do and things that you said to people, all of these things that have been built up over time. And you look at that. You look at your attic and think, I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy. Don't worry if you're worthy. You never were. It's not about you being worthy. It's about him being worthy. He's worthy of worship. And that's what matters. That's what matters, forgetting the past and moving forward in the truth that he is the one who is worthy. He is the one who conquers all and his love conquers all. So that means we don't have to worry about our own worthiness. We can just worship him. We just worship him. Even in spite of our sin, even in spite of the things that we built up in the attic, we just worship him. And that makes me, I wanna, this is kind of off cuff. I wanna read this real quick. Uh, as we're talking, this just made me think of this. So in Matthew chapter 14, we've, we've been, you know, we've been in Daniel this whole time. I want to break the rules. <laughs> I want to break the rules and jump to Matthew, Matthew 14 real quick for something. Because um, I think this is just so true and it ties in exactly with what we're talking about. So in Matthew 14, we have a story of Jesus walking on the water. One of the most famous in all of scripture. Jesus walks on the water. And what happens is Jesus is walking on the water. Scripture tells us his disciples are in a boat. They're in a boat out on the lake. They see someone walking on the water, and it sounds like something right out of a horror movie, right? This is, this is what Scripture says. Uh, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. This is uh, Matthew 14, verse 25. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt? And here's the key. If, if, you've, if you've kind of been paying attention, look, we know how it is at home. We, we, we think, it's like the meme going around online. We think that whenever you're at home worshiping, that you're standing and you're praising with us. And whenever I'm preaching, you're sitting there with your notes all taken. We know you, you're very well could just be sitting back on your couch right now or on your phone. If that's been you and you've kind of been listening, I want to tell you right now, turn up the volume because this is what you need to focus on. This is what you need to listen on. So here we go. Verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, Jesus and Peter, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly you are the son of God. Do you pick up on that? Does anything there stand out to you? Then those who were in the boat, so people in the boat, um, you know, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, the disciples, they're, they're all there. Who else is in the boat, though? Peter. Peter. Then those who were in the boat, including Peter, began to worship him. That means Peter, soaking wet in his failure, <laughs> soaking wet, drenched in the disappointment of not believing in Jesus just seconds ago, is worshiping Jesus. 
How easy would it have been for Peter once they got in the boat and everyone else is going, whoa, this guy's different. (laughs) Jesus, this guy really is the son of God. How easy would it have been for Peter to go, no, you guys worship him. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not even worthy. (laughs) Do you guys just see that? Did you see what I did? (laughs) I didn't believe in him. I didn't believe in him. We were walking on water and I doubted him. No, you guys can worship him. But Peter, in that moment, started worshiping while he was wet. (laughs) Even in the midst of his disappointment, in the midst of his failure, in the midst of his past, where he had just let Jesus down, he worshiped him. He worshiped him. That's because Peter understands what Nebuchadnezzar understands that we need to understand. The past is past. (laughs) The past is past. There's literally only two places that we can ever go the present, and the future. There's a reason we can't go to the past. We don't need to. There's no reason to. We, we never need to go into our past. We don't need to go back there. The past is past for a reason. Peter knew that. Peter knew all that matters. No, 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 it's not, am I worthy because of the stuff that I've built up in my attic? It's not, am, am I worthy because of the stuff that I've, I've done and those things that I haven't done? That, that's not the issue. It's not if I'm worthy, it's he's worthy. And so I'm going to focus on him, and I'm going to forget the stuff in my attic. I'm not going to live there anymore. I'm, with Jesus' help, I'm locking the door, and we're leaving that room, and I'm not going back. The past is past. The past is over. This is how it concludes in Daniel 4, 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all of his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I love that. Nebuchadnezzar says, now I praise. Now I praise God. Yeah, I may have not gotten it all right in the past. In fact, I know I didn't. In fact, I know I've screwed up. In fact, I know that I have messed up so many times and I've fallen short and I haven't done what I'm supposed to do and I squandered opportunities that God has given me and I've squandered the potential that he's put inside of me and the purpose that he created me for. I've not always lived up to it. I know that. I know that's my past. I know that's what I've built up in my attic. But now, (laughs) but now I am choosing to trust and to worship Jesus. But now, I am making that decision. That's the decision that Peter made. That's the decision that Nebuchadnezzar made, and that's the decision that we can make to now praise God. No matter what your past has been, no matter what you've done, you can make that decision today to avoid the attic, to lock that door, to hand it over to Jesus and say, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not gonna judge myself based off of what's in my attic. I'm gonna judge myself based off of who you say I am, Jesus. And I'm trusting you in that moment. I'm trusting you with it. I wanna let you know wherever you're at, whatever you have been through, whatever you have done, whatever is in your past, your past is over. Your past is over. It does not hold you down anymore. It does not define you anymore. It doesn't get to tell you who you are. Jesus is the only one who can do that. Jesus is the only one who gets to tell you who you are. And you're not defined by those things. So whatever is in your attic, let it die. Let it die. It does not hold anything on you anymore. Your past 
is over. You can become something new by following Jesus. I wanna encourage you to make that decision today. Make that decision to follow Jesus, to trust him with your past, and to follow him today, right here, right now, and every day going forward into your future, and you will not be able to recognize your life. I promise you, you will become a new creation, not even remotely defined by your past anymore. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.